This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Give someone a high five as you're seated. And as you're seated, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. We've been in Luke chapter 5. We'll be in Luke chapter 5 again today. But before you go to Luke chapter 5, also turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is teaching on praying, giving, and fasting. And as he's teaching on praying, he says in Matthew 6 and verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And when we teach on prayer, we explain that, praise God for that, we still have to ask, but it's good news. Our heavenly father knows what we need before we ask. Now, in these days, on everything, on healing, on faith, not walking in fear, but walking by faith. We have to renew our minds to the Word of God. But in these days, with all that is going on, with all that is going on in our country and the world economically, we have to renew our mind, our minds to the Word of God. And if you'll renew your mind to this in Matthew 6 and verse 8, it'll bring you great, great peace. Our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. He knows what we need before we ask him. When you go to fill up your car with gas, our Father knows what you have need of. He knows every need. He knows every bill. He knows the amounts on the bills that have yet to come in the mail. Not trying to concern you this morning. He knows before we even ask. And as we've been learning, our, our Heavenly Father is good. He, he's wonderful. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. He is El Shaddai, the Almighty God the all-sufficient God, the God of more than enough. He wants our every need met with plenty left over. And good news, he knows what we need before we ask. He knows the cost of gas. You know, everybody's excited because it went down a little. You know, government officials, I think the way they talk about it, I think they want us to all send them a thank you card. When they, when they, when they fail to point out, it's still a lot more than it was a year ago. But praise God, good news, our Father knows what we need before we ask. When you go to the grocery store and buy, buy groceries, the price of bread, the price of meat, the price of milk, the price of eggs, all, all that you need for your children or for your family, our Father knows what we have need of before we ask. Praise God. You know, it's hard to believe school is about to start. You know, there, there is so much that Jessica does that I am absolutely thankful for. Because if I were in charge of school supplies, I would say, every one of you, you need a pen, 
needed a pencil and a notebook, and we are good to go. But there, there are these great big school supply lists, and I don't think Emily needs anything, but for the, the four older children. And Je Jessica's doing all that, figuring it out, how many of this, how many of that. Praise God, our Father knows what we have need of before we ask. He knows. He cares. And he wants our every need to be met, and he wants our every need to be met with more than enough. Now, I don't have time this morning, but you go over, you look, look further down in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray that our Father would give us our daily bread. And daily bread today costs more than it did last year, or two years ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago. But, but our Father, he, he has, He is, and He will give us our daily bread. And, and the cost may go up. It, it may go up not just a little, it may go up a lot. But our Father, He will give us our daily bread. You've heard me joke about that when Jessica and I got married or when we had Sophie. I could never have envisioned that feeding those little ones breakfast would take, you know, now probably close to two dozen eggs, a couple packets of bacon. I, I have no idea what it will be like when most of them are in high school. It's going to be a lot of food. But our Father loves us. He is for us. And He will give us our daily bread. Now, something to renew your mind to this week is Matthew 6, verse 25 through the end. Jesus repeatedly says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Someone shared that in the part of New York they live, grocery store, by where they live, that now they have started putting cans of Spam in the plastic protection containers. And they're concerned, I guess, about people stealing Spam, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Well, we're the children of God. We're going to be provided for. We're going to be, our Heavenly Father is going to ensure that we have what we need, that we are fed, that we are clothed, that we are provided for. This is how he clothes the grass of the field. How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. If you're sitting close, someone will smile at us and say, do not worry. Smile at your other neighbor and say, do not worry. And do not worry means do not worry. And worry, not only is fear contrary to faith, but worry is contrary to faith. My father's been saying the last few Sundays that in these days and in what's ahead, as long as the Lord tarries, we're going to have to walk by faith. We're going to have to walk by the word. We're going to have to learn to look to our heavenly father as our source and our supply. And so you see this on the news, you see that on the news, but praise God, our heavenly father, he knows what we need before we ask. And praise God, our heavenly father, he gives unto us our daily bread. And praise God, we don't need to worry. We don't have to worry because our Heavenly Father, He's going to take care of us. He is going to provide for us. Then you get into chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Today we're learning how to give our best to the Lord so that we can expect his best. To give him our best in every area of life so we can expect his best. And this requires that we get our eyes off the problem and onto the answer. And the answer is the Lord. The answer is our provider. The answer is the family that we're a part of. The answer is our heavenly father. We've been learning that our wonderful heavenly father is El Shaddai, the almighty God, the all-sufficient God, the God of more than enough. Why don't we say that? Say, more than enough. More than enough. Well, and, you know, more than enough to someone that is just getting started in things of God might be different than more than enough to someone that's been living this life for 10 or 20 years, but more than enough beats not enough. And more than enough beats barely any left over. You know, you could be at a place in life where, you know, if it's just a little more than enough, you're happy. But you could be in a place in life where, like, like Jessica and I, it's not just me and her anymore. We got five little ones counting on us. You know, any time in my life where I thought, well, we'll do a little bit of this or that to save, those are always the meals where they look at you like, why isn't there more food? So more than enough for me today means something a lot more than when Jessica and I first got married. But our Heavenly Father, in your life and where you're at, He wants you to have more than enough. Go to 2 Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul asked about us being amply supplied in all things, at all times, having all that we need so that we abound in every good work. self Sufficiency, contentment, more than enough, plenty, amply, amply supplied. And that's how God revealed himself to Abraham in Genesis 17. In Genesis 17 and verse 2, the Lord told Abraham, I will multiply thee exceedingly. Exceeding, not, not just a little bit, not just a little dabble do you. I will multiply thee exceedingly. Now, how do we receive any good thing from God? We receive from God by faith. And we find out in the Word of God that faith requires action. In James 2 and verse 17, it says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Some translations say faith without deeds is worthless, useless, of no good. So faith requires action. We have to do something. We have to do our part. And behind all that we're teaching, you, you got to go to work. You got to work. The Apostle Paul said that if a man does not work, he should not eat. That if a man fails to provide for his family, he has denied the faith. So we have to take action. We have to do our part. You got to be a good steward. Amen. Got to save. Got to have a budget. Got to invest. Got to have an emergency fund, got to do your part. But in these days with all that's going on, we're at the point, we're all gonna have to believe God for more than enough. We're all gonna have to look to the Lord as our source and as our supply. We're all going to have to learn the lesson the disciples learned in Luke 5. When there, there's a need or there's not enough or the boat is empty, how do you go from that situation to plenty or more than enough? In Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 1, Solomon wrote, 
Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. If a piece of bread is consumed, that is the end. But if a piece of bread is tossed upon the water, it expands, it increases, and it's much more filling. It's much more nourishing. Our children love it when my mom will make an Italian Sunday lunch, spaghetti and meatballs, pasta, and one of the things they enjoy, my parents like to do toasted bread. And I, I like it with butter on it, garlic on it, balsamic on it. Then I like to take that toasted bread and dunk it in a bunch of tomato sauce. Well, well, that's a lot more tasty and filling than just a plain piece of bread pulled out of the sack. Cast thy bread upon the waters, and it shall return to you. And what returns is more satiating and filling than just consuming the piece of bread. We learned about the little boy. And he brought five loaves and two fish to Jesus. Jesus multiplied that mill and fed 5,000 men plus women and children. All four Gospels tell us that they ate and they were satisfied. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. So what, what's the answer in these days? To, to put it into the hands of God. To put it into the hands of Jesus. To look to our Heavenly Father for multiplication. And that's what He wants us to have. Plenty. More than enough. And that's what He wants to do in your life. He does not want to diminish you. Our Heavenly Father wants to increase you. Now how can we prosper and pull ahead in these days? Well first we have to honor God with our finances, with a tenth of all that crosses our hands, then we have to look to the Lord for multiplication. We have to give above and beyond the tithe. And in doing that, we're led by the Holy Spirit. In doing that, we ask the Lord what he would have us do. We hear and obey. Someone emailed me and said, Austin, I, I'm messed up. I'm jammed up. What do I do? You have to do what Peter did in the Gospels. He found out he had a tax to pay, hadn't set aside the money, hadn't saved the money, wasn't prepared to pay it. The tax needed to be paid. What did he do? He asked the Lord what to do. And Peter was a fisherman, and so the Lord told him to do what? Go to work. Go fishing. Go to work. But as you go to work, expect a miracle. And so he caught a fish, and in that fish's mouth with some money. You know, Jessica and I, Sam, when we were on vacation, Samuel kept talking about fishing every single day. And I thought, man, if we don't do this, we're never going to hear the end of it. So we went on a boat for hours, had a good time. Samuel had a good time. But uh, we did not catch any fish with money in its mouth. There's a young lady in the church, and she went fishing here in the last year or two, and she actually caught a fish with a wallet inside of it. That's how blessed our young people are at Faith Christian Center. Uh, no, I didn't catch a fish with some money in it. But Peter had a need. Jesus, what do I do? Go fishing. Go to work. And he caught a fish, and there was more than enough for the tax to be paid both for Peter and for Jesus. More than enough. 
So first, we honor God with our finances by bringing to him a tenth of all the increase that crosses our hands. But then we give above and beyond as the Lord leads us, believing him for increase and multiplication. And that requires that we attach our faith and our expectation to our giving. That, that as we go to work, we're in expectation of good things. Now we've already been coaching you to discipline in yourself and your mouth. And that in these days, where we're not going to go backwards, we are going to pull ahead, we are going to forcefully advance, income is going to go up. That if anyone loses a job, it'll quickly be replaced with a better job, with better pay, with better benefits. My father even said during the 9 a.m. service, in seven days. Well, that beats six months, amen? So you got to discipline yourself to be in expectation and faith for the goodness of God and the blessing of God and the provision of God and miracles. And then you have to make God your partner. You have to take the Lord to work with you. You might say, well, Austin, I, I can't take the Lord with me where I go to work. Well, you need to change jobs. You know, if you're going to walk with the Lord, you've got to do righteous things and live righteously and have a righteous profession. You've got to take him to work with you, that he's helping you, he's leading you, he's guiding you, he's directing you, he's giving you divine ideas to do what you do better, to do it in the most efficient ways possible with excellence. That, that he's even guiding you in your relationships and your contacts and who you call and who comes in the front door, who comes into the showroom, or who fills out a form on a website. You gotta make our Heavenly Father a part of the equation. And not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. Say this say, I will give my Heavenly Father my best. And I expect his best. I'm telling you. His best is not spam in a plastic protective container that you have to walk up to the front and say, I'm going to pay for this. Can you please open it for me? He does not want his children reduced to anything like that. He wants us to have his best. He wants us to have plenty. Luke 5, beginning in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And you have to remember that they had worked all night. And having worked all night, they would have been tired. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you in my boat? I'm done. I'm not going out, not going back out again. When we took Samuel out fishing, uh, those guys were wonderful guys. And, you know, they, they, they wanted us to have a good time. They stayed out hours past what we paid them for. They were out there so long that after a while, Sophie was asleep in the cabin. My father was asleep in the cabin. It, it was just Jessica, me, and Samuel out there in the hot sun. And she said, you better have them turn around. Because if your father wakes up from the nap, he's going to want to be back. Not, not still out way far away. They had been out all night. Working, nothing to show for it, frustrated, tired. Jesus steps into the boat, takes over. Who are you? What are you doing? He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. 
Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, there are people, and they would, they would have you believe that if you do anything for God, that if you serve God, if you live for God, you're going to be diminished. You're going to go backwards. That, that, that God's going to take, take from you and not repay it. That, that's religion. That's not Bible. Jesus had made use of Peter's boat. Now the Lord was indebted to Peter. And where the Lord goes, there is plenty. Where the Lord goes, there is more than enough. And that, that's why we're saying, take the Lord to work with you. Take the Lord into your home. When, when you sit down at the table, give thanks to the Lord before you eat. Make the Lord a part of everything. Because when the Lord's a part, there's not going to be need. There's not going to be lack. There's not going to be not enough. The Lord had made use of Peter's boat. And the Lord now owed Peter. And we see, we know what happened. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, they had already been out. They had already worked all night. They had caught nothing. See, what Jesus says defies common sense. And there are, there are certain times of day it's better to fish than other times of the day. Setting all of that aside, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, we're to do our part. We're to do what we can do. But there are times when we've done everything we know to do and we've come up short. There are times when we've done all that we know to do in our natural strength, in our natural ability, our natural effort, and there's still lack. There's still a need. The need has not been met. Said, Lord, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so. And this is the key. This is the answer. But because you say so. I'm sure his flesh was screaming. And we, we've been out there. We've fished all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so. And th this is why we, we're always saying, whether in this series, other series, other topics, be led by the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord what he would have you do. And when you're out and about, when you're at the grocery store, you're running errands, or you're at work, and the Lord puts it on your heart, to do something, go with it. And it could be some, not a big thing, it could be a small thing, but sometimes it's the, those small things that lead to great big blessings. Once Jessica had gone to a place that she sometimes goes to for lunch, and she had driven through, and the, the Lord put it on her heart to go back and to be a blessing to the lady at the window. Solomon talked about how we're, we're to be sowing all the time. And some seeds produce greater harvest than others, but we're to be sowing all the time. We're to live a life of sowing. And when you live a life of sowing, you're going to live a life of harvest. You're going to be walking in continual harvest. Someone said to me, Austin, I'm messed up. I'm 
I'm jammed up. I'm, I'm in a situation like Peter. Worked hard all night, have nothing to show for it. What do I do? Ask the Lord what he would have you do. And it could be something that's not impressive. It could be something simple. Ask the Lord what he would have you do and obey. It could be asking someone's forgiveness. It could be making a situation right. He, he might put it on your heart. Maybe you've worked over in this area, but he, he might put it on your heart to go inquire about something over here. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, but because you say so, but because you say so. See, then this is the way we're going to have to live in the days that are ahead. Lord, what would you have me do? Because that's where the provision is. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so. Why don't we all say that? Say, when they had done so. Had done so. We, you can't escape it. We have to do our part. We have to obey. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to take action. Lord, but because you say so. Then it says, when they, they had done so. When they had done what? When they had obeyed. When they, they did what Jesus said, do. You know, my wife, I'll give her the credit. During the 9 a.m. service, my father mentioned Jesus was telling them how to conduct their business. They were fishermen. And yet Jesus was telling them how to conduct their business. And Jessica leaned over and said, a carpenter. A carpenter telling them where to fish and how to fish. And after they had been out all night and caught nothing, a carpenter saying, go out into deep waters, throw down the nets again. See, a lot of people would have said, you're, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, I know my business, you don't know my business, you know, I worked all night, I'm done for the day. But because you say so, but because you say so. And then Luke writes, when they had done so, when they did what Jesus said, do. They caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. And they were fishermen, so these fish would be sold to pay their employers, sold to pay their workers, sold to provide the needs of their workers and their families. They caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. You know, I'd love it if that was our recent fishing store. We caught some fish, but we were out there quite a few hours for a few fish. When they, they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, then Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And I pointed out two Sundays ago that we often don't focus on some of the unspoken details in the Gospels. These were Jewish men in the first century. Peter had a mother-in-law. These men had wives. They had families. They had children. They had people counting on them to be clothed, to be fed, to be provided for. How could they that day leave behind their businesses to go into full-time ministry 
and follow the Lord around wherever he went for three and a half years and not be worried about how bills would be paid and not be worried about how women and children would be clothed and fed because of what they saw that day. They had worked all night. They had caught nothing. Jesus made use of their boat. He owed them. And he said, put out in the deep waters and let down your nets. Peter told the Lord all that had gone on, but he said, because you say so. And when he did what Jesus said, do, that's when the miracle came. Even now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving on your hearts. Even now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about this or that in your life. It could be in the financial area. It could be in other areas. It could be in areas that have to do with moral behavior. Things the Lord wants you to do or change or, or give up. Situations that need to be made right. When they had done so, that's when the miracle came. Surely Peter and these men went to their synagogue on Saturday. Surely they tithed. But until they encountered Jesus, they did not know to look to God as their source and supply in their business. Until they met Jesus, they did not know they could give above and beyond and receive a harvest. They did not yet know the principle of Luke 6:38: give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure who uses, the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus was there. He was at the lake. He got into Peter's boat. But what if Peter had said no? What if Peter, and he had gotten some of his men to get Jesus out of the boat? Well, they were there. They were at the lake. There were other boats that could have been used. Give, and it shall be what? Given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I love the King James, will God cause men to give unto your bosom? The measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we're dealing with sowing and reaping. We're dealing with seed time and harvest. And Jesus said in Matthew 17, that if we have faith as a seed, even the size of a little itty bitty mustard seed, nothing would be impossible for us. I've heard Pastor Sue say that what we give to God never remains small. A seed only remains small if it's not planted. But even a small seed planted in good soil produces a much larger harvest. I, I said the, the Holy Spirit is moving upon your heart. He's speaking to you, giving you instructions, giving you ideas, maybe dealing with your heart about a situation that needs to be made right. If you would just do what the Lord asks of you, your miracle, your answer, your provision is on the other side of it. Just have to obey, but because you say so. Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. First, Jesus got their eyes off the problem. And that's what you have to do in your life, in your situation, and your circumstance. I've noticed that when a bill comes in the mail, you set it on your desk and stare at it every day for an hour or two, that does not cause that bill to be paid. 
I've noticed that the more you talk about a problem, that does not help the problem. The more that you talk about a fear or talk about a concern or talk about a word, that does not fix anything. Peter said we're, we're to cast that anxiety upon who? The Lord. We're to take the problem and to give it to the Lord. We're to take the problem to the Lord. Let him deal with it. Let him handle it. Matthew 6, verse 8, our Father knows what we need before we ask. We're to ask, but praise God, he knows what we need. He knows the situation. He knows whatever the concern is. And he cares. He wants it to be met. Jesus got their eyes off the problem. They had worked all night. They were tired. They were, they were frustrated, disappointed. Maybe one of the guys had to go home and a lady put her hand on the hip and said, where's the fish? Thinking a place to go other than home. Jesus got their eyes off the problem. Do something for me. Give me your boat to use. So if you are in need of a miracle or an answer, stop looking at the problem and begin to look to the Lord. Begin to look to the answer. And it is the Lord. The answer is the Lord. Stop looking at the problem. Start looking to the supply. Start looking to the Lord for your answer. Jesus said, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. When you take action or you obey or you do whatever it is the Lord puts on your heart to do or when you give, expect a miracle, expect a harvest, expect God to move in some supernatural way. And you have to keep in mind that the Lord is our source. The Lord is our source. Praise God for the job. Praise God for this raise or this or that. But we're living in days when we need more than that. Look to the Lord as your source. Look to the Lord as your supply. And I've learned that if you'll do what the Lord tells you to do and do what the Lord asks you to do and then live in every day in expectation of miracles and harvest, he'll bring answers in all kinds of unusual ways. I shared last Sunday how on our property, we're doing our best to keep things looking remotely nice looking, amen? I've told Jessica, I think no matter how much water we throw out there, I don't know at what point we have diminishing returns, but we're doing our best. And now with all this smart technology, I just love the notifications from the city. You're using more water than last year. Yes! And they, they had let me know that maybe there was higher usage than normal and asked if there were any issues. And I said, well, we had a valve leak. We got that fixed, but, you know, I don't think that was a big deal. But they still, I took the time to fill that out. Well, well they, they nearly wiped out our last water bill. Praise the Lord. I don't care how it comes as long as it comes. I said, I don't care how it comes as long as it comes. And that is why you have to look to the Lord as your source. Now, see, I'd be foolish if I said, well, man, that's great. Maybe they'll do that again next month. Well, no, because then I'm looking to the city or to man or a government official as my source. And see, that, that's the trap people can fall into. Well, maybe if the government did this or that the government did that. You know, everybody's excited in California because the state of California sent people you know, gift cards or whichever method for them to use on gas. 
while at the same time they increase the gas tax in California. That's not a gift. That's not a blessing. That's what man does. That's what government does. You got to look to the Lord as your source. You got to look to the Lord as your supply. You got to know that one way or another, he will provide. One way or another, there'll be more than enough. And yes, in these days, it can happen in the most unusual and crazy ways. Jesus was telling these fishermen, give me your best and believe for my best. We've worked hard all night, Jesus, but because you say so, we'll let down the nets. Peter could have said it this way, Lord, I'll do what you say and I'll expect a miracle. Say this, say, I will give God my best and I expect his best. And that's what we ought to do in every part of our lives. We ought to give the Lord our best in our home, in our family, in our marriage, if you have children in your parenting, in your work and whatever you do for, the li for a living, you ought to give the Lord your best. When we come to the house of God, we ought to give God our best. We ought to give him our best in everything that we do and then expect his best. The first service my father used as an example of how we, we take care of the, the property. Why? It's not ours. It's the Lord's. You know, we just replaced a section of concrete here out at the, the entrance on this side of the property. And, and we've all been places where you were concerned to drive into the parking lot. If you, you drove in, you, you know, you're afraid your car might fall in, never to be seen from again. And once Aaron and I visited a place and we got back, my father said, give me a report. And I said, man, a lot of maintenance needs to be done. And part of that, I, I said, dad, the whole, their whole parking lot has got to be redone. Now tell them what that costs. But see, why, why do we fix things? Why do we keep things up? Why do we go above and beyond doing it? Because it's the Lord's. So we give him our best and we expect his best. And that's what we ought to do in every part of our lives. Say, I'll give God my best. Say, I expect his best. You know, Jessica, because she's getting the kids ready for school. As they get older, things don't fit. We have a lot of things to be given away. And of course, Samuel, boy, on any, anything he wears, he puts a beating on. You know, in his school pants, I mean, they could be brand new, and they will not look brand new by the end of the day or the end of the week. You know, how is it that those boys manage to ruin the knees on every pair of pants? And, you know, Jessica does her best, and not too bad, but, you know, we decided that, well, because they're not perfect, we, we don't, we don't want to give them to someone. We don't want someone to know those pants are from the Lingerfeld, so she brought them up to go into the general pile. So if someone sees them and still wants them, they can have them. Well, we're to be a blessing. We're to give our best. And in return, we're to expect the Lord's best. Say, I'm going to give God my best. And I expect his best. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'll end where we begin. Matthew 6 and verse 8. Take great peace in knowing. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. Take great peace in knowing Philippians 4.19 is true for the people of God. You read all of chapter 4, you find out that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, not one church participated with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. The church at Philippi, in contrast to some of the others, they had given their best. They had given God their best. They had given the Apostle Paul their best. And so 
Paul wrote and said, my God shall supply how many of their needs? All. So you have to take great peace in knowing Matthew 6 and verse 8 is true. Our Father knows what we need before we ask. And you read on. Our Father, he will give us our daily bread. And even if it costs more tomorrow than it did today, he's going to give us our daily bread. And my God, he shall supply how many of our needs? All. He will supply all of our needs according to his riches. And so when the Lord moves upon our heart, when the Lord taps us on the shoulder, when we're frustrated, the boat is empty, and the Lord just thinks he's in charge, which he is, and he gets in the boat, he tells us what to do, the answer is to obey. The answer is to listen and take action. Because your provision, your miracle, is just on the other side of doing whatever God asks you to do. And you can do that without fear. And you can do that without worry. Because you know, our Father knows what we need before we ask. He clothes the grass of the field. He's going to clothe us too. And like his children under the old covenant, what we have, it is not going to be worn out. What we, we have will not just be enough, it'll be more than enough. It'll be plenty. And he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Please bow your heads. You might be here today, and you've heard me preach about the goodness of God, how much he loves you, his goodness, what he wants to do in your life. All of that begins by first giving your life to him. It all begins by repenting of your sins, asking Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. This world that we live in, it'll lie to you, it'll tell you that if you're just kind of good enough, that that's sufficient, that you'll be in heaven someday. It's a lie. This world that we live in, it'll lie to you, it'll tell you that you can come up with your own path to God. That's a lie. There is one way. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He is the Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can only come to Father God. We can only be a part of the family of God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that, that's what I'm asking you today. Have you ever believed upon him so that you can have everlasting life? If you're here this morning, you've never done that, but you'd say, Austin, I'd like to pray with you. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high so I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to give him my life. You might also be here today at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know you're not right with God. You don't have peace with God. You know that you've been doing your own thing and you've paid the price. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I need to recommit my life, and I want to do that before I go today. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand so I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Thank you. For the sake of those that raised their hands, we're going to pray. If you raised your hand for either invitation, grab what you brought with you, come join me here at the front. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. The Lord's dealing with your heart. Come join us at the front. No one will think a thing of it. Everyone will be excited for you, rejoicing with you. sake of those came forward, we're going to pray. Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I give you my life. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for restoration. We thank you that what your word says is true, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful, you are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to still pastures and green the green pastures and still waters. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you take just a few minutes to go with Mr. Jeff Hughes, they have some things for you. They want to be a blessing. Might be watching or listening online now or later. You say, Austin, I prayed. That was for me. We want to be a blessing to you. If you go to the address on the screen, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to bless you with the Bible. We'll also send you a copy of a book written by my father called God's Very Own Child. Simple, easy to read, won't take too long, but it'll help you get started in living this new life for God. We want to be a blessing to you. I hope the message today was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you ask the Lord what to do, he will tell you what to do. If you ask the Lord what to do, he will tell you what to do. He'll give you an action. He'll give you a strategy. He'll give you a game plan. He'll lead you to that place that I just spoke about, green pastures and still waters. But we have to do what Peter did. We have to say, Lord, because you say so, and then we have to obey. We have to take action.